Welcome to Circuitous Conversations with Bill and Dan, episode 43. 43! For Monday, June 27th, 2011. Yes. Uh, for new listeners out there, uh, Circuitous Conversations is a weekly podcast about pretty much everything and anything, though we tend to stick with technology and computers and photography, though we get into other stuff as well. That is correct. Indeed also... For your information, we have uh, a brand new Twitter account, bum, bum, bum. Which, which hasn't really seen a ton of action. In fact, it's not even up to date, but it will. I'm going to, I swear, we'll be more current with it. But the, yeah. the, uh, the Twitter account is uh, CircConv, which is spelled C-I-R-C-C-O-N-V, which is yes. sort of an abbreviation of circuitous conversation. Yeah, the first four letters of each word. Indeed. So feel free to follow that Twitter account for uh, updates and other what have yous. Indeed. Uh, last week we had Chelsea Sexton on, who is a uh, electric car, electric vehicle genius, and uh, that was kind of fun because we got all technical. Yeah, it was kind of neat to, to to stray from our our sort of home base, especially so to into somebody who knows so much about one thing. Well, yeah, and and about you know I don't. Neither of you, neither of us, I should say, neither you nor I own cars. It's true. Which is, which is interesting. Yeah. But you've I, owned a car, right? Uh, in high school, I drove a car that yeah. I guess was owned by my father. So I, I myself have never owned a car, which cracks me up every time huh. Heather or I get these junk mail things in huh. the mail that say, you know, we can save you all this money on car insurance. It's like, can't you tell that I don't own a car? Like, isn't there some sort of record that you're looking up me on that you can see that I've never owned a car? Huh. Save yourself 43 cents or whatever it'll cost. Weird. I yeah. actually have a pretty rich history of, of car ownership. And you never get these offers. Uh, I don't think so. Not since I moved. When I was in Chicago, actually, when I was in Chicago, um, I something interesting happened. So, uh, I it was like we'll say the year nineteen ninety nine or so, and I just landed. Um, diddly, diddly, diddly. Yeah, over ten years ago, and I landed this this pretty cool job that was based out in the suburbs. Like the headquarters was out in the suburbs, but it was still a very uh, uh travely job. So it was working for a technology consultancy and um, while they were like the analogy would be like let's they would be based out like in New Jersey like in Teaneck you know like just over the river here like you know half sure. an hour out of the city but I would still you know have a, a bunch of clients in the city as well as out in the out in the suburbs. Long story short it would it required me to have a car. So um, I decided that I would take advantage of my bank. Uh, I happen to be a very fond and satisfied customer uh, of a company called USAA, uh, who had um, a really cool service at the time. I'm sure, sure they still do it now, but they have this really cool sort of buying buying a car help help system where you could basically call them up and um, they would help you negotiate a deal with a car dealership. Now, I should also mention these guys started out as an insurance company and they've been my you know insurance company since since I was insurable. Uh, my father also is a customer, and uh, that's how I got in. But anyway, uh, long story short, I was I, I bought this brand new car, um, a Subaru uh, Outback station wagon, um, back in like yeah, I want to say nineteen ninety nine or two thousand. I think it was a two thousand model. People like and those cars. I love that car. That was a really great car, and I I drove it to my to the, my to the sister drives a. There's a bigger. What's the Forester? Is that the bigger one? It's a. It's actually technically speaking, they're about the same size. It's just a slightly different body shape. Okay. Yeah, that's what my but, sister uh, has down in Texas. 
Yeah, in the old days, I don't. I, again, I haven't really been following it since I don't drive anymore. But when the the first Forester came out, it was actually built on the smaller. There's, Subaru has two basic frame or chassis. There's the you know the Legacy chassis and the Impreza chassis. Okay. Uh, the Legacy is bigger and the Impreza is smaller. And the Subaru, uh, sorry, the Forester was basically like a big car on the small frame. You know, they like basically put like a a little sport utility wagony kind of body on what was normal, what was actually the seemed small like it had a higher frame. hatch area yeah it was it was more squared off yeah exactly less 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 sporty anyway long story short for whatever reason because i guess because my credit because of the the deal that usaa helped me negotiate my credit went from like six thousand dollars to like i don't know twenty eight thousand dollars or however much money i spent on the car and i suddenly appeared on all of these you know new lists and within months i started getting phone calls and other solicitations and i wound up getting uh in, uh, invited to this focus group um, company about cars. And I guess I was also in the right demographic. I, I don't know, I was like 25 or Wait, whatever. You went to this focus group? Well, I was, yeah, I was invited to a focus group um, and then it went well. And over the next, I don't know, three or four years, I'd gone to maybe three or four of these things where they basically invite, I don't know, a dozen to 15 people um, one of them was in this fancy hotel with like steak dinner, and then the other one was at this sort of like, um, like a restaurant, more like a conference room. Uh, and and they basically just sort of sit you down, and then they just they just kind of shoot the shit and pick your brain and say, hey, what do you guys think of this car? What do you what do you drive? And how do you use your car? And what you know what are your favorite features? It was it was really cool. Uh, and then you get paid. You get paid like you know I don't know hundred bucks or two hundred bucks at the end of the day. Um, and I and I wound up finding out that one of them uh, usually they're really all anonymous and secretive and they don't tell you what the you know what the company is and who who it was or anything. But one of them it was kind of cool. They said we're going to ask two of you at the end of this for further information and we want to actually come to your house and see your car and how you park it and all that other stuff. And I'm like, oh, that sounds like fun. And they wound up picking me. <laughs> um, and it turns out that it was Honda. Um, and it was in re- researching the, the then the yet to be announced uh, Honda Element. Okay. Which is that giant boxy sure. sort of minivan looking thing. Um, they Unfortunately, whatever, like the day that they were supposed to show up, they, they wound up having to bail on me because of their schedule or whatever. I still got paid and um, it all worked out, but I didn't get the, you know, they didn't get the information from me that they, they had asked for. But I thought that was kind of cool. Weird. Yeah. So that's all I know about cars. I know. And uh, yeah, I've never owned one. And, and honestly, I don't know that I ever necessarily will. Never cars know. stress me out. They really yeah, do. Well, you're a easily stressed out fellow. I don't like driving. I don't like owning a car. I don't like having to worry about a car. I always worry about my cars whenever I have them. I guess. I don't like whether know, they're man. getting broken into or accidents well, or. Just don't leave anything in there. That's all. Yeah, I guess so. Anyway, so. Anyway. That was a fun last week, and that was actually a pretty good story, Dan. Um, okay. Today. I was thinking that the one thing we haven't really talked about is music, and not in the sense of us as musicians, it. yeah, sure. but of listening. I, um, iTunes, CDs, stereos, but just overall how you look at that whole process and, and how you keep track of things, uh, I thought that might be an interesting topic. Yeah, yeah. I, I would imagine that I'm, I'm nearly certain that you and I do this in very different ways <laughs> yes and it's it's you know it's funny my father i may have mentioned this before but my father uh owned record stores when i was a kid record stores plural yes well how, we ma- how many four or five well, wow that's a lot yeah like tower records not like giant ones like that but ones in malls graf wadman records in malls yep plural well one in each mall yeah wow 
So they weren't actually like sort of standalone storefront type of deals. They were in an integrated like shopping center type situation. Yeah, they were in indoor malls. Interesting. Yeah, except for one of them, which was in an outdoor kind of mall. Uh huh. And did he, he, um, he didn't actually work in the store, though, right? Uh, well, he would sit in the back room and deal count, with the business stuff. Count the money. Count the money. Yeah, <laughs> but um, but yeah, I mean, there were times when my father was behind the register, but no, they were they were big stores that had a number of teenagers working there. Were you one of those teenagers, Bill? I did at times work for my father's record stores. Yeah, that must have been Which, interesting. It was it was fun. I actually, it's funny. I had the tail end of it in some ways. I have two. Uh, male cousins who are uh, older than me and my sister is older than me. So I was like the youngest of the four sort Uh of children of of the business. Um, And I lost you for a second there. I don't know if it's... Oh, you lost me? Yeah. You were just talking about your cousins being older than you and then you dropped out. Okay. I'll back up then. Okay. Uh, I had I had two cousins uh, who whose father also owned the business with my father and and my sister was older than me. So I was the youngest of the four. Mm Mm-hmm. So being the youngest of the four, I didn't necessarily, you know, I, I caught the tail end of a lot of stuff. Because mm. uh, when Melissa, when my sister was into music, it was like the mid-80s when mm. business was really good and all the rest mm. of it. And, you know, hey, daddy, can you bring home the new Duran Duran? Sure, kiddo. You know, that kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, nice. By the time I was interested in music, it was like, well, you can have it for cost, you know. Oh, damn. So yeah. you didn't even get the hookups. Well, I, you know, I got some hookups. I got enough hookups that I have a lot of CDs, which, you know, I probably have, I don't know, a thousand CDs, uh-huh. um, which, you know, in the grand scheme of people our age is probably not that, it's not like outrageous amounts of CDs. No, I've, probably I've, a lot. It's probably I've some friends who have like tons of them. Yeah. Thousands, right. like right. plural. Yeah. I mean, and I've gotten rid of a lot of stuff over the years um, and I've never been the kind of person to get piles and piles of CDs and. Probably I probably paid for half of them and got half of them for whatever reason. Other ways, sure. Um, but I, you know, I went to music school up in Boston at Berkeley, and and I did uh, a lot of production engineering stuff there. I'm I'm a pretty big audiophile nerd, so I've got a pretty crazy stereo to go along with all those CDs. So the idea of me ripping those to 128 or 256 or even 320 AAC or MP3 is like, well, no, that's not yeah, going to well, happen. Compressing them, you know, seven to one is still compressing them. Yes. <laughs> you know, you're, you're throwing yeah. away a lot of information. There. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's something that I just it was not willing to do. Um, sure. So, but at the same time, I kind of want to get rid of this, these two racks of CDs that are at my house. Yeah. It's a good um, couple hundred pounds easily. Yeah, it's it's space, it's time-consuming just to get them all out there. It's like, you know what, let's get them all in digital form. It's funny because to think about doing that five, ten years ago, you're talking terabytes of – like a terabyte of information probably if you add all that in there, a couple uh-huh. terabytes, which five years ago was like you don't have terabytes of space, <laughs> yeah. you know? Now, not, not anymore. <laughs> yeah, now buying a two or three terabyte drive for one hundred and twenty dollars, I think I, I bought this three terabyte drive. Yeah, it was like one hundred and twenty five, hundred thirty dollars. So Kinda for one hundred thirty dollars, I can rip all of my discs lossless and get rid of the discs, or put them in uh, um, uh, binders. I don't mm-hmm. know. Do you ever put the discs in binders? You do that. I was when I was a CD consumer. That's how I chose to. I would throw away the jewel cases and just pull out all the bits. With you know, with the exception of like the eco packs or whatever the you know right, the ones right, that right. you couldn't do that with. But for the very very large majority of them, I 
And I still have some, actually, no, I take it back. I, I still have some case logic 256 disc binders, but they don't have, they don't have music. Well, well, we'll get to that, but yes, that's, so, I did that too. So what, back in the day, what would you listen to music on portable all the time? Oh, let me think. Um, yeah, I guess. Uh, well, it's funny cause I remember distinctly not being that interested in an, in the iPod when it first came out. I'm like, Oh, that's, that's kind of cute, but whatever. Yeah. I guess what I liked, no, you know, I was a disc man guy now. Yeah. Now I'm, now I'm remembering. Um, and I would make my own mix CDs. Um, and I was also, I'm just trying to think now, how the hell did I used to do it? Yeah, yeah, I, I must have. I did a lot. I mean, I remember vividly going through, you know, like a disc man a year. And remember, I also spent time in the car. So my first car, I think, well, my very first car obviously didn't have uh, a built-in in dash CD player, but I had a tape player, and I had the little tape cassette adapter with the cable that came out and plug into your disc man. Sure. I so that, I did that. I did that for a really long time. Um, at least you know five, four or five generations, if you will. Um, but yeah, I was a big um, do-it-yourselfer. I, I, I mean, I, you know, I would buy CDs from my very favorite artists. Um, but I wasn't, you know, I would also, I had no problems copying CDs from friends once that technology was, you know, reasonably easy. You know, I'd say, sure. hey, can I borrow that? And then I'd rip the whole thing and then burn my own. Um, but I was also a really early adopter of MP3s. Like I want to say as early as 1997 or so. Um, that, that early. Bef- yeah, back before, because well, here's the thing, man. When I was a kid, when I was that you know that young, um, there was a whole scene of people trading uh, software and you know like games and all the the top name applications and you know there was there's sure. pretty much a, a market so to speak for anything and everything, um, and th- there was I I used to be uh, some of the older. Macintosh nerds, guys. I guess guys of about our age will m- maybe remember this um, service, service application host, whatever you want to call it, uh, called Hotline. Hotline was this cute we little. We talked about that when we did our our did we? yeah news group stuff. Okay, yeah. So for the for the newer folks who don't remember that, uh, long story short, Hotline was basically this this really user friendly uh, client server system that. Uh, greatly facilitated the the way that you know you could find stuff for free on the internet. It still embraced the old school sort of community camaraderie, social aspect of like having to get invited to places and having to know somebody. But it wasn't as clunky as like FTP or IRC because it was sort of graphically you know intuitive and it was Mac based and there was a tracker set up so that you could actually advertise your site if you wanted to. So it was pretty cool. And and you know as that scene evolved. Uh, the MP3 revolution was just beginning, and they were slowly but surely, one site after another, um, you know, at, would would be dedicated to music, um, you know, yeah. to whole MP3s. And I'm like, oh, that's kind of neat. And you know, and what I what it really came down to is, I remember now. This is remember this is early days of the internet, and it's like, oh, you know what, man? I, I actually remember the first MP3 that I downloaded, um, and I'm like, I really want to listen to this song, and I don't know anybody who has a copy of this, and it's not like I'm going to call the radio station and ask them to play it. Uh, and I guess I could go to the, like any number of record stores and try to hunt it down, but yeah. but wouldn't it be cool if I could just download it right now on my computer? Wouldn't that be neat? Um, and so I f- went to this this one MP3 site that I knew had a bunch of stuff, 
And sure enough, I found it. Uh, it was uh, it was Eddie Grant's Electric Avenue. Good song. Uh, I really wanted to hear that song. Um, and I was just so jazzed about being able to find it. And, um, you know, and it was, you know, the, the sort of like, I don't need the whole album. I just want the single. I just want the one tune. I just want to hear it real quick. Right. Uh, and this is in the old Power PC days, you know, before when, you know, playing an MP3 required some actual CPU time. <laughs> uh, and then there were, geez. Du- was this QuickTime is- play them back then? No, it would not. This is, I was just going to say, this is pre-iTunes. Um, so I remember my favorite little player was something, was a super small, lightweight uh, app called Vamp. Um, okay. And then there's another one. So Winamp? You remember Winamp, yeah. And then there's also sure. Macamp. Um, sure. And those were the biggies for a while. And then there was, um, this is, actually, there's this really uh, interesting whole story. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but um, iTunes, uh, iTunes was not originally written by Apple. Right. Uh, iTunes was actually. Like everything Apple puts out. Not true. Apple does write <laughs> some original material from time to time. <laughs> but in this case, the uh, original application that iTunes was was you know before Apple bought it was from a company called Cassidy and Green I want to say and it was called Sound Jam um, and it, believe it or not it's like 10 12 years ago it still had that stupid tritone do 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 uh the, you know xylophone sample and it's still in iTunes and it even made it to the iPhone uh, I can't, I mean I it's amazing how I wonder if that dude who recorded that is getting any You mean the one when you that. plug it in and it sinks uh, no, the sound that it makes when when you when you're finished ripping a DVD or I'm oh, sorry, yeah, yeah. when you're sure. finished ripping or when you get a voicemail on your phone that sound. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, that so that was purchased by Apple and and essentially evolved into iTunes. So that's Sound Jam. But there's this really interesting story. Uh, another really great Macintosh company, Cassidy and Green, and uh, was one of the bigger you know small software independent software publishers and they had all kinds of great titles back in the day but an even smaller company that makes even nicer software in my opinion uh is called panic um and they are most well known for their ftp software uh transmit uh and they also have a nice usenet client for macintosh called unison and a couple of other really cool ones but uh it was started up with these two yeah I, i use transmit right that's the ftp client the little truck Oh, I love the little truck icon. That's great, why I use it because of the truck icon. It's and so damn do, cute. Those guys put a ton of time and energy into really well, pro, you know, programming that stuff properly from a design standpoint. And from what I've heard, you know, as far you know, from guys who are into the Mac nerdery of you know software development side, these guys really do a good job. Like they really know what they're doing, um, and I think that's kind of cool. So um, dig this. They had um, an MP3 player as well. That was probably arguably just as popular as sound jam i want to say it was called adium or audium or something i, I can look yeah. it up we'll put it in the Doesn't show notes. It still exist it does not um this is old this, this is like 10 years ago dude this is a long long time ago um you're thinking of maybe you're thinking of adium x oh, adium, the, the yeah, yeah, iChat yeah, the the instant thing, messaging yeah. client no this is before that this is like audium i'll look it up um and i'll put a we'll put a link to it in the show notes but um one of the there's two one of the main guys there is a guy named cable sasser i think that's how you say his name um wrote this really interesting story on his blog on the panic blog i'll see if we can find that basically detailing the 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 time in his life when when you know apple approached him and his company about purchasing that software little did he know it was going to become you know it had the potential to become what itunes is now and how how that might have changed things um it's called audion audion there you go that's it so um so yeah i thought that was uh interesting story it's it, you know it's true uh, back in 99 i was working at a place called us interactive and we had rca as a client mm-hmm. 
um, and RCA was putting out a music and MP3 player called the Lyra, mm. which uh, was compact flash based and uh, had a little interface in the whole thing. A uh, little, you know, L- uh, an L. An LCD screen, little LCD screen. It was probably 120 pixels by 120 pixels. You know, this crappy little thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were $300, I remember. And we all got 64 gig cards in them, which Ooh. was huge back totally. then. That's tons of space. Um, and b- as part of the deal with RCA, everyone in the agency got one. Nice. Yeah. However, the way you hooked it up to your computer was through a parallel port connection. What? <laughs> <laughs> well, this was like right at the beginning of USB being everywhere, you know. Could you just, so you could just daisy chain that off your zip drive, boom, Done. yeah, exactly. or or off your Epson Impact printer. You it was know? entirely <laughs> like that, but it was the kind of thing that to get it working was a treat oh, unto sorry. itself. Dot matrix printer—that's what they call those. I They're like all. dot matrix printers. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so so I so they gave us one of these things, and I gave it to my father, and I remember playing with it when they first had one around the office and I, there was some Will Smith song on it or, you know, some getting jiggy with it, something like that. It might've been men in black. Oh, that's was that out then. Oh no, that's the one from wild, wild west. He'd see sampled. uh, Maybe that's the one. The Stevie wonder tune. I remember that tune. Anyway, one of those tunes was on it and it was the only thing on the, the, the machine. And it was, it, it didn't sound very good to me. Probably because it was like a 64 kilobit rip or something, you know. Cause yeah, it was, probably because it, it sounded like crap. <laughs> right. Um, and I remember thinking the guy who was running the the account at the time, this guy John Peebles, who's still a friend of mine on Facebook, super nice guy, mm-hmm. uh, just said to me, yeah, you know, this is going to be everything. And here I am at home with my $10,000 stereo thinking, no, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. I'm never going to listen to this crap. Right. You know. And in some ways, I'm still not listening to that. Yeah, crap. it's true. It's true. Um, but you were also kind of wrong about that, that. How well it caught on, I bet. You know, it's you true. It be well, what I what I didn't take into account was Moore's law, right? Right. right. Um, because the, even this 64 gig thing at 128, it's what like a it's like a, a, a one meg a minute, so it can hold an hour's worth of music on a mm-hmm. 64 gig thing that co- takes an hour. I'm like, well, I could buy a 99 dollar disc man. Mm-hmm. Carry a few CDs, and there's an hour on each of them. Yeah, and you can at that time you could buy a, a stack of a hundred blank CDs for like you know fifteen twenty bucks. Right. So, so, this, so they were you know pennies each. This didn't make any sense to me. Like the the whole thing didn't work out. Mm-hmm. But it, but it's funny how you know times go on and whatever it is. And it was only it, you know up until recently I had some I had ripped music in iTunes on my laptop usually that I synced with my iPod or my iPhone over the past five years or whatever. Um, but it was always. I think I did like 192 AAC. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was ripped stuff specifically for my iPhone or an iPod. Mm-hmm. Um, and mostly it was just to keep the size down. I would have rather had it sound even better, but mm-hmm. I didn't want to take the thing. Mm-hmm. So it's just funny. Recently, yeah, I've started doing that. And then uh, Heather was staying with a friend of hers who had ripped his entire CD collection lossless. And so we got a rip of that <laughs> nice and so uh, currently i was just looking at my itunes i have 35 songs Thirty-two thousand, you said Thirty-two thousand, all lossless nice that's a yeah. lot of sounds how many what's the, what's the itunes like uh the t- time on that the time on that is uh well let's see Seven that's seconds years. minutes hours 92 days 10 minutes or 10 hours 47 minutes 35 seconds only 92 days that's what it says. Huh. I would expect it to be more. Um, 
and it's uh, about 500 gigs. So pretty much now I, ha- I haven't ripped everything that I own. I've only ripped probably, you know, a hundred CDs that I've owned oh, just cause I haven't gotten around to ripping all of them. Yeah. But what the cool thing I have done is that when Heather moved down here, she had, I have pretty good speakers on my computer. I have these little six and a half inch, uh, right, those woofer are the event powered, monitors, the powered monitors. Yeah. My little powered monitors, which yeah. sound pretty great Sure, for what they are. They yeah, sound yeah, good. Totally. Um, but over the other side of the room, I have $3,000 BMW speakers. So it's, you know, if I'm yeah. really going to listen, I'm going to listen on those. Sure. Um, so I wanted to figure out a way to get it from my computer to there. So therefore I could just have everything on my computer and stream it over. Um, and Heather moved down here. She had an airport express, right? The little, one of the new ones, the little yeah. N ones that looks like a, looks like a power adapter basically. Uh, yeah. So one of those little power adapter thingies and uh, yeah. there is an output, an audio output on it. So you could use it as what is now called what airplay, right? But it was, or no, what is it called now? Um, I well, we're talking about the audio out on there. Yeah, but the whole idea of pushing stuff from iTunes to other speakers is—is is uh, it now called AirPlay or it used to be called, called AirPlay? It, they called it AirTunes. AirTunes, and now it's AirPlay. Yeah. Okay. So it has an AirTunes output on it. Yeah. Which which is basically just a little mini you little know, headphone jack inch headphone jack, but it also has that nifty combo optical red okay. laser. Well, yes. Okay. So out. there therein lies the coolness of this. The mm-hmm. the audio output on the analog out is absolutely probably the worst analog out I've ever heard in my life. It is awful. Like, awful. <laughs> okay. Um, and I was worried that there was something going on in the transmission from iTunes to airport that created this. Like, they use some kind of crazy compression, whatever. Yeah. So Not the case, though. It is not the case. So I got myself a an optical cable. Now, my CD player, I have this older, well, not older now, but about 10-year-old Adcom CD player, which actually has not just a digital out, but a digital in so that you could use its converters as a DAC. What's a DAC? That would be a digital to analog converter. So oh, basically turning... I thought it was a Star Wars thing. Da, da, da. Yeah. Actually, there was a guy in Star Wars. I think was he was Luke's co-pilot. Yeah, oh, I think Dak. he was Luke's co-pilot yeah. on uh, in the Empire when he was piloting the Snowspeeder. That's, fighting that's the pretty nerdy. Imperial Walkers, I think so. Anyway, we're gonna sorry. we're gonna get you know comments on that. So, hey, you said it, not me. It's true. So uh, you could use my CD player. Basically, when I listen to CDs on my CD player, this would theoretically get me the same quality of everything, just coming uh-huh. from my computer instead of coming from the CD itself. This was fantastic because then I could pretty much use my stereo as I enjoyed it, but just have the source come from somewhere else. Uh, the problem is, is that the digital in on my CD player is a coaxial digital in that is like a little RCA connector mm-hmm. where the, uh, the one coming out of the airport is optical. Now, it's, they're both SPDIF. They're both uh, SPDIF, which is uh, Sony Philips Digital Interface. Um, SPDIF. SPDIF. Um, one is optical, one is coax. This is a problem. So I did some research, and apparently for about $12, you can buy a little converter box on eBay. Huh. These little boxes that come from China, I'm sure. Uh, sure. They have a little wall wart that go, you know, plugs in the middle of it, and then in one end goes optical, out one end comes coaxial. Uh, and they're, it worked perfectly. You say coaxial? Coaxial. I say coaxial. Okay, I'll say coaxial just for you. I'm just... No, I was just curious. Theoretically, you're right, but I just, you know, I'm lazy. 
I like syllables, man. I like adding syllables I know. to words. I slur syllables. We discussed this beforehand. Um, the practical upshot of all this is that I can theoretically sit in my little chair and use the remote app on my iPhone. Did you say little chair? My little green chair. It's actually a big <laughs> chair. I, yeah, it's comfy. And, I've sat and, and I can listen to anything in my entire collection at full resolution on my stereo. Streaming it from your computer. Streaming it from my computer, controlled from my iPhone to the Airport Express through a optical to coaxial uh, <laughs> SPDIF converter into my right. DVD player, CD player uh, converters. Ba- Wirelessly. Ba- digital. Yep, balanced connection to my Adcom preamp, then to my 600-watt Adcom amp to my BMW Nautilus 804 speakers. And I'm the, right, I'm the nerd here. Yeah. That's right. Just that so the point is, is that this is, this is perfect solution for me and I can get everything I want. Now, the only problem I have with this whole thing is that because all of my music is Apple lossless, um, mm-hmm. by the way, if you find flack stuff online, there's a little app called DNX or DMX or something like that, uh-huh. that does flack to Apple lossless conversion, like super fast, completely, you know, nothing gets cooked in the process. Neat. Yeah. Um, the only problem with this is that when I want to have some music on my iPod, the only mm, option is to use that little down sample to 128 checkbox, yeah. which is fine. I don't mind resing it down, but why is the only option 128? Why not just have a little drop down there and let you choose? You're talking about like in iTunes. In iTunes. In, when, you, when you have your phone plugged yes. in on that main title page, yep. it gives you that choice. I don't know if everyone knows about that. Yeah. It's actually a really useful feature because if you do have it a is. lot of higher quality especially like recent stuff you know if you download a lot of um music from the itunes music store it's going to come in at higher bit rates than 128 yep. which can take up some space we'll take and, up twice know, as, as much know. as the stuff that's on the the 128 that this thing would do um yeah and um you know iphones top out at uh 16 gigabytes currently right which which you no, know it's 32 a fine amount you know oh is it 32 yeah because really? i have the small one at 16 you can buy a 32 oh, i guess i'm Shows you what I know. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, that, that's still, you know, to some people, nowhere near Not enough, enough space for all of the songs that they yep. want. So you can kind of in the background without having to worry about managing different versions or anything like that. iTunes does sort of take ownership of that process. And uh, you can have it. There's a little checkbox that says uh, convert higher bitrate songs to 128 kbps AAC. Now, again, why isn't that just a drop down so you could choose whatever bitrate you damn well please? I don't know. I would I would agree with you. Or maybe not even a drop down, but just somewhere in the advanced preferences yeah. where you can sort of say, you know, do because that's how the import dialogue works. Exactly. Now if you, you can say, you know, use this. It can be right there with time. the import dialogue settings, you yeah. know. I, it's it's I, just agree. it's funny to me because this if this could be cho- if you could choose two fifty six, I would be mm-hmm. hog heaven. Great. I'll carry around two fifty six on my phone. Mm-hmm. But I want to have lossless at home. Now you can mm-hmm. you can go in and manually convert a bunch of stuff, but then you have doubles, duplicates in your library. You can move those to yeah. another library. It's just I don't want to deal with all that. So I just have it move one twenty eights to my phone. the The headphone jack on the iPhone has never been that great. It's okay, mm-hmm. but it's not great. Um, the actually, it's funny. My my Motorola Droid had a great headphone jack. It drove my headphones really well. Um, mm-hmm. And the 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 best iPod headphone jack ever was the original shuffle, the little memory stick shuffle, the white one. <laughs> yeah, the one that looked like a stick of gum. Had a kick-ass. That, that little thing sounded so good. You could drive, you know, 
high-end Sennheiser over-ear things with that, and it would sound mm-hmm. good. It was incredible, um, mm-hmm. just as a little piece of advice. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's what I do. I, I have all my music. I have a you know a playlist um, on there that I say, you know, just move this playlist over to my phone, and whenever I want something on my phone, I just move it to that playlist instead of having it automatically because obviously I'm not bringing 32,509 songs with me. Um, but... It, but it's funny that I mean, do you back up your music? Um, can you be more specific? Like, oh, do I like to say, yeah, yeah, yes? I guess technically I do now. I do uh, uh, to your Drobo. Uh, yes, and that happens um, automatically. Does that is that? Yeah, I back up all of my stuff automatically with Time Machine now. or or with other stuff with with Chronosync with Chronosync. Okay, I I don't know that many people actually back their music up. Yeah, well, in a minute, it's not going to really matter. With the iCloud stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, assuming they buy it from, they buy their music through iTunes, or they pay the $30 a year or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's you know, it's I don't know. And I, I that deal wouldn't be good for me. Why the hell would I want to downsample all of my lossless music to 256? Yeah, I don't know. It wouldn't really apply to you, would it? No. And, I, you know, I, the whole cloud music thing, I think we brought this up once before, doesn't make much sense to people like you and me. Because half the time I want to listen to music, it's on the subway, underground. Well, it does cache it locally. Yeah, but... Okay. okay. Yeah, but obviously, if I've only got 16 gigs on my phone, it's not going to cache everything. Right. So. And, and, I mean, it's the same thing, though, with Pandora and all that stuff. It's like, okay, that's great, but I only have a two-gig limit. If I listen to right. Pandora all day long, I'm chewing through that fast. Yeah, you know, it's true. And not, no, it's true. As if I could actually keep a 64 or 120 kilobit stream in an AT&T network in New York City. <laughs> I <laughs> I can't even listen to podcasts like in real time. Somehow, sometimes I'll try to listen to the Twit stuff live while I'm uh-huh. taking a walk. Uh-huh. Like you can't. I just it no. loses it every time I go between towers and stuff. Yeah, it's frustrating. Um. So anyway, that's that's what I do. Now you have everything MP3 or AAC or a mixture. Uh. You know what? I don't do any. I don't rip anything these days. Um, I when I moved from Chicago to New York, I left my CD collection behind. I basically just gave it away to my friend Chris <laughs> um, because I I'd basically ripped all of the stuff of mine that I had any interest in, and I had also seen at that point that technically, realistically, anything that I had on me someone else had already digitized and put up on the internet. Right. And admit, you know, it was just hard for me to justify. It's like, okay, well, I guess I, guess I could dedicate all this disk space to this stuff, but kind of like my, my Usenet philosophy, you know, as far as downloading movies and television shows, I don't hold on to that stuff because once I've downloaded it once, I've got the NZB file. And if I want it again, I can just download it again. Sure. And, and you know, to that, to that same end, um, you know the the quality is only going to get better. So why why do I want to spend all this time and money uh, and energy storing uh, these files that are probably going to get better sounding and smaller? Maybe not so, so smaller, but you know, better sounding uh, over time. Yeah. So um, so yeah. So I, I I don't put as much time or energy. I was going to ask you do you do you go through the whole ritual of your tag cleanliness, tag maintenance, as far as like cover art and all that junk. Well, the stuff that I rip, it does a pretty good job usually figuring out what it is because I don't have that much obscure, like really obscure stuff. Um, and when I do, I usually go find something. But my system, my whole thing was kind of a mess because the stuff we grabbed from Heather's friend was really messy. Like there was, 
I mean, it was it was he ripped it all lossless, but there was all kinds of mistakes and little things and duplicates like all over the place, spelling mistakes and stuff. Yeah, yeah. that's, that's true. Uh, and you know, <laughs> let's just here's another slight little whip to iTunes. The whole find duplicates thing completely useless. Ugh. Yeah. If you have good. a find duplicates option, have also a select one half of them option. They should do it. You know, you know what, what Apple app actually has a really relatively well implemented duplicate. Uh, Where it actually engine. looks at the different versions and says which one's higher quality and deletes the other one. Yeah. I use one uh, of those things. Apple's, Apple's address book application has actually come a long way. Ah, and, yeah. Uh, that's an you know that's a whole different discussion yep. on itself man, managing your contacts but uh, it's kind of neat. Um, it would be kind of sweet if you, if if iTunes could do the whole merge duplicates thing <laughs> and you just select the three or four copies and like take the email address from this one and the phone number from this well, one. Well, honestly, it should right. <laughs> I mean, this is this I, is kind of neat. Yeah, this is not like you know like imagine if you have, you have like your 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 lossless one yep. that you ripped yourself that sounds great, but then you also have the shitty MP3, but that that has all the right tagging information yeah. and the right album cover. Wouldn't it be cool if you could sort of select them to, both of them and say merge these and then boom? Yeah, you've got like kind of a super file. Well, I, I I'll even just take. Uh, getting rid of the cheap ones, you know. Um, I yeah. I was using an app called I think it was IMD Duper. You ever use that one? Nope. Okay. I M D E D U P E R. I M D Duper. And and you can actually sure are. Yeah. So you could you can select all these things. It pulls up your your iTunes library. You could select everything, and you can say, you know, all choose based upon higher or lower. Bit, bit rate or or you know song length or correct thing versus this database or whatever it is uh-huh. um, and it goes through and it'll delete the ones that you know I had a lot of stuff that was AAC from my laptop days when I just had <laughs> things on my phone that I then ripped lossless and so there were sure. two copies of every Billy Joel record in there I don't <laughs> need you know I don't need the innocent man in AAC if I have it lossless um, sure. So it's 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 an interesting thing there too. I mean, yeah. you know, it's funny online. You find a lot of the stuff you find are these crazy FLAC files that are twenty four bit, ninety six kilohertz uh, uh, FLAC files of vinyl rips. Yikes! So these people get these like hundred and eighty gram vinyl records, records and right. record them at twenty four ninety six. Yeah, and then yeah. turn them and into they, FLAC and files they and they make put the them up. Yep. Nice. That must be uh, some good sounding stuff. Now, see, that's the thing. There's another thing. You play with vinyl at all? Nope. Have you ever? Not really. Yeah. I mean, I'm a pretty nerdy audiophile guy, and I just can't. The convenience is too good with digital. Yeah. And dude. good I mean, digital I, I, sounds I good. There is bad digital, and I understand oh, yeah. that. But there's totally. also bad analog, so I understand that too. Now, just just to be clear, I have no animosity towards vinyl. I mean, I think records sound terrific. Yep. And I, I'm a huge fan of the the art of DJing, and to the extent of even the you know whatever you want to call it, the mu- the musicianship um, of uh, turntablism, as they call it. You know, guys who who scratch records and and do nifty mixes and stuff like you know, like guys like Cut Chemist and and Shadow and Invisible Scratch Pickles and all those dudes. I mean, I'm a huge yep. fan of those. It's impressive those guys stuff. And, Absolutely. Yep. So I mean, I'm nothing against records, but for me, it just doesn't does does, does not fit. Yeah. I mean, a they're freaking huge. B you need like it just requires way too much time and care and maintenance to to, to work for me. And I'm just that just does not appeal. I'll tell you one thing that does sound as good as records. Actually, it sounds better than records. It sounds just like the master tape is uh, yeah. Super Audio CDs. 
which oh yeah they made for a little while and then they kind of stopped making them and there aren't that many out but if you ever get yeah, the you chance you have all six of them don't you <laughs> i have i have a dozen or so but oh, i God. but it's funny because like there are some things that i have the original cd a remastered cd from the early 2000s an sacd from 2005 and you can actually listen to the same song three different times and it is completely different i mean hmm. you know at least on a system like mine where you can actually hear these differences but it's funny apparently ray davies was once talking from the kinks was talking about he's from the kinks right i don't know okay uh was talking about why he likes vinyl better and better than cds and he said that uh analog sounds like it's sitting on something Mm -hmm. and digital doesn't Hmm. like there's no foundation that it's all hmm. sitting on, like it's just kind of floating there. And it's funny because SACD sounds like it's sitting on something, like it levels the playing fields, um, which is really kind of sad that it never got anywhere. But a lot of people point out that it wasn't CD sound quality over cassettes that made it a winner. It was convenience and, yeah, well, and that, indestructibility. And ju- like jumping between tracks was the big move on, on, L- on CDs. Well, that and mobility, because here's the thing, man. In the old days, um, if you had records, you were not going to be able to listen to your records in your car or walking around. You're just not going to have. Now, you could get an eight track player. You can buy another a whole second copy of your of your album. But once the cassette, once the audio cassette came around, that really changed the game. So that, you, you know, there were people out there. I knew some people who would make, you know, spend the time and make really nice sounding record mixes bounce them to their, you know, basically record them to their cassettes and then listen to them in their cars. And that was really great. Um, and then the CD basically took that one step further and said, you don't even, guess what, dude? You don't even need your records now. Now you can have the CD, you know, and you could take the CD, the same CD that you listen to at home, you could take it into your car or put it in your disc man and you're good, yeah. you know? The funny thing is, is that a lot of people don't realize that the whole power of the record company stuff really didn't start until the 80s. Yeah. It was the CD that made these people all this money because they resold you all this stuff from catalog again. Right, right. And made shit, like it cost them nothing to produce or next to nothing right. to produce. They pull out the master tape, they remaster it, they make up 50 different copies of some Frank Sinatra record and people are buying it all over again. Uh, right. But that also introduced another interesting layer of, of complication, which was the exact duplicate copy factor. Yes. Yes, because uh, the, CDs you know, whole, have no copy protection. Exactly. So the fact that, you know, like they were, it was acceptable. You can buy a record or a tape because eventually uh, those would degrade, you yep. know, with, with repeated play or they were, you know, they were vulnerable. Um, but uh, CDs don't wear as long out. As you took care of it. Exactly. It sounds as good or bad. Yes. <laughs> uh, as as it did the day that you uh, you pulled it out of the box. And you know it's funny because a lot of uh, a lot of people gave the record companies a lot of crap for the original Beatles CDs, for example. Yeah, uh, they weren't really. They didn't sound that good. That well. Funny little quick anecdote. My my father's stores. I forget what it was. Like say it was eighty six or eighty seven that the Beatles CDs came out. And Sounds right. uh, for some odd, unknown reason, records come out on Tuesdays. And usually you get the boxes on Mondays, and then you put it out on Tuesday, right? Sure. For whatever reason, my father's store got boxes of Beatles CDs on Friday or Saturday. Ooh. And apparently, like, for some reason, these got shipped and no one else's did, or they got delivered and they shouldn't have, or whatever it is. And so my father's store had the only Beatles CDs for three days. <laughs> and... My father, being an independent 
record store and like screw the labels uh my father was like yeah just put them out and let's sell them (laughs) and there were people who like came from you know hours away to go get the beatles to get this first batch of beatles cds early you know one day early. yeah exactly amazing yeah that's hilarious but you know my father was probably the worst person when it came to stealing music in what way my father would go on uh like what was it at the time it wasn't Napster. It was like Azurus or something like that. Was there? Well, uh, there was some kind Azurus of Azurus is a bit torn. Okay, line. then that's not it. Then there was maybe LimeWire. No, it wasn't LimeWire or any of those. Emule. It wasn't Emule. It started with an A. Uh maybe you're thinking of Morpheus. No, it started with an A. Definitely. Anyway, started with an A. Yeah, I'll find out and put it in the show notes. So okay. my father was on this thing, and he would download so much music. And I used to say, "Didn't you know? Come on, you're putting. You, wouldn't you be pissed about this if you were still selling records?" And he's like, "They made so much money off of me over the years. Like I'm going to do whatever yeah. I damn well please." Um, so yeah, you know, it's interesting. So all these people would buy all these CDs and stuff. So this Beatles CDs came out, and they didn't sound very good. And people would say, "My records from 1965 sound better than sound a CD better. from 1987." Sure. Yeah, S- digital sucks. CDs suck. Um, and in reality, they were just kind of bad transfers from the original tape. Uh, they weren't very done very well, which is actually surprising considering they were the Beatles CDs, you know what I mean? Like, and they didn't put them out right away in 1982 or three, they took years. So what was the problem when I was Uh at, uh, Berkeley, uh, guy came over named Greg Calby, who's this big mastering engineer at MasterDisc. And Mm -hmm. he, uh, got the gig he did uh, Paul McCartney, some Paul McCartney record from 10 years ago. I forget which one he mastered. And Paul liked it so much. He said, let's see what he can do with pepper. Hmm. And some guy from Britain had two first class airplane tickets, one for him and one for the master tape of Sergeant pepper sitting on the seat next to him (laughs) and brought it over. And they rebuilt, they shipped over the original machine. That was uh, the, the two track tape deck that it was recorded onto. Like when they wow. did the mix, sure. And they had a guy rebuild the whole thing back to spec, uh-huh. and they played it back off of that. Uh huh. And so he had this he had this uh, remastered version of Sergeant Pepper, and he played us a couple tracks off the CD, and then he played us a couple tracks off the thing he had just done the week before, and it was unbelievable the difference between the two. Now, hmm. at the time, no one could get their hands on this thing, right? And I I went hmm. and visited him a couple years later uh, at work, and we were just shooting the shit or whatever talking and he said and i said whatever happened to that pepper thing and he goes oh it didn't get put out uh you know legal whatever's you know politics i was like oh that's too bad he goes oh you want a copy (laughs) and he turns around and flips through a bunch of cds and hands me a cdr copy of the remastered sergeant pepper that he did that he had done that didn't get released right this was i don't know seven years ago or something you know damn dude and i had it for years Now, mm-hmm. the problem is, is that the new remasters that came out are very good. They're at the level of this thing. Uh, but for years, you know, this was like, I had this copy of this thing, and all my Beatles friends were like, oh, can I rip it? And I was like, oh, man, I can't, you know. Yeah. I'd, you can't let it go. Right. The, no, the guy was nice enough to let me, it. yeah. No, I've been in that position before. That's that's tough. Yeah. But, yeah, that's cool. That's fun. Yeah, it was, really, it was a really good time. But, anyway, it's just a funny little nice. weird anecdote. But the new CDs sound great. So, with CDs, it really does have to do with how they do the mastering. You know, the Billy Joel stuff yeah. is the same way. They did – Ted Jensen remastered all the Billy Joel stuff about five years ago, and the new ones sound incredible. And if you compare mm-hmm. the old ones to the new ones, it's like night and day. Like well, night yeah. and day. And, I mean, and you could say the same thing about um, – 
you know, the input part, part, part as well. I mean, 10 years ago, the, the quality of mic pre's, you know, and digital IO, as far as, you know, getting analog, yep. you know, getting actual yeah, audio the, into a computer, the A to D process, yeah, that, that's, that's you a know, big has part come of it. light years yep. since the eighties. Yeah. I mean, it's insane. And, and the amount of money it used to cost yeah. and, I and mean, it's, it's what's just nuts. you know in some ways it sort of is a direct analog to the photo world where yeah. people who were film photographers used a digital camera six years ago and they're like oh this is crappy digital yeah. sucks yeah and they haven't used one since and it's like wow dude things have changed no, a lot things, since you last played true. with one the technology um, and yeah, so in the I, same I way making, yeah no I love that that analogy yeah. It's 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 the same exact thing, and a lot of people yeah. on on CD players. If you have a CD player, it's funny. The first CD player that I ever heard was one that Sony gave my father because they were trying mm-hmm. to schmooze him to you know put CDs in the store back in '82 sure. or whatever. And sure. uh, I think my brother-in-law took it down to Texas, but it's a Sony CDP 201, which is one of the first ones they sold in America, and uh-huh. it actually sounds fantastic. And the reason why is that the analog section on it, the right. after it gets turned into analog, like the little amps that just get it up to line level are really yeah. good in it. So I'm it sure. sounded better than any CD player up until like the one I've got now um, <laughs> for me. Uh, so yeah. it's all interesting. So in yeah. the end, you basically grab a lot of stuff and whatever format it's in, it's in. Yeah. You're not that concerned I, about it. I stopped being a collector. Um, a while ago, uh, yeah. just because I stopped I, listening I to keep... new music. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a different conversation altogether. Um, but no, I, I st- basically now what happens? So, so when I want to listen to something, the first thing I do is I go to my. Uh, I have two computers. I have you know my Mac Mini, which has a big, big ass hard drive, and that's the one that does all my downloading and stuff. And then I have my my MacBook Pro, which is my sort of desktop, you know, day to day use sort of computer. How old is your Mac Mini? Is it one of the boxy ones or one of the new flat ones? Oh no, it's it's old. I, it's actually f- coming up on five years old now. It's it's one of the f- first or second gen. Well, it was a first gen Intel. It was originally a Core Duo, <laughs> and I actually went to this whole crazy process. Oh, of right, upgrading we talked it. about that one time. Yeah, I actually upgraded it to a Core Two Duo, and it has been running great uh, ever since. Can you I'm get those cheaper? Are they still expensive because they're Macs, and that stuff keeps its value. Uh, I haven't really looked. I would imagine they're probably you can buy them for three or four hundred bucks. Yeah. Um, if not less, um, it, it's been doing great for me. I, I mean, I was just actually just just joking around with a friend of mine about how I'm waiting for it to die so I can get one of the new ones because the new ones are really nice and slick and they have the the dual video out, which is kind of yeah. Nice. But they might be coming out with ones with Thunderbolt soon. Yeah, I, I was know. reading an article that said that Thunderbolt, uh, the chips involved in it, are pretty oh, expensive. Really expensive. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. It's well, it's brand new. I mean, yeah. I, the same thing. Firewire was like that too when it first yeah. came out. It was expensive. Yeah. Anyway, um, so yeah, what what I do is I keep all of my um, audio down. Every couple of months, I'll go on a big old you know organization binge on my drive, and I'll you know sort out you know applications versus f- you know um, film versus t- television versus you know music and other miscellaneous crap. Uh, and then you know, and then I don't really bother renaming stuff. Um, and then, you know, because that volume is always shared to my Mac's desktop, because again, my stuff, I don't, doesn't really leave the house. So I can just leave it on the desktop, you know, mounted over the network. Um, I also have the setting in iTunes where iTunes doesn't keep a copy of the library. You know, like when I drag a file into iTunes, uh, it doesn't copy it to my, you know, user folder, iTunes library. Um, it just makes a reference to it, a pointer to it. So my, my iTunes library is definitely always in a 
various state of mess with the little exclamation points because every once in a while I'll open iTunes and sure. you know after a restart and I forgot to mount the desk you know mount the the network share and then you know I try to play a file and it's like oh all these files are missing and then it's too stupid to to know that when you remount it you know and it doesn't go through them all automatically so any you know you actually have to phys- just hit the return button and then you know it'll take a second and it's like oh okay here's the file right right unless unless of course you rename your drive or you move the file some, to another volume and then and then you have to just do it all over it's, again. So it's anyway. surprising that they haven't done more to iTunes, considering how much it is the hub of everything Apple does. Yeah, I'm, I have a feeling we're going to see a pretty big change to iTunes in the next uh, next year or two. Yeah, it's pretty much identical to how it's been for ten years now. It hasn't really changed much. It's true. Um, I mean, it's in version ten already. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a hell of a. But it's not a very smart app. Well, it's think of how long it's how far it's going. Yeah, I know. I mean, it's it's you know it's it's old. Anyway. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of how I do it. Uh, I basically drag stuff in as as it strikes me, as it occurs to me. Yeah. Uh, if I don't have something, I go out looking for right. it, and I generally find it, and then I download it, and then I just drag it in. And then and I basically just do, like you said, I have maybe three or four different uh, playlists in iTunes that are uh, synced, you know, manually synced to my phone, uh, you know, my iPhone as an iPod, uh, and then you know, as I want to change stuff, I just go into the playlist in iTunes and then I just delete it from there and uh, it tends to work out just fine you know granted I'm not a huge audio you know music listener right not not as big as people might expect you, so you I don't right so you listen yeah. on your phone or you're listening on your little Yamaha speakers or something at home um no actually the Yamaha speakers are, are too big to, to put in a good spot so I have this really old Sony computer speaker thingy which is basically two little satellite tweeters and looking at one of them now uh yeah they're probably two and a half or three inches in diameter uh and then a sub little subwoofer box and that thing sounds really good i mean i've had it for about 10 years uh it get the connectors are a little flaky so if i kick it by accident sometimes i lose my stereo imaging but i can you know <laughs> fix it by tweaking tweaking it a little bit sure um that's what i listen to for the most part because again most of the time i'm just sitting here at my desk um but uh i do do a lot of listening on my phone and I have a really, you know, nice pair of headphones. Uh, I actually saw them, the, the Shure. I did. I tried uh, them. In-ears, um, which I'm just, you know, very accustomed to. I know how things sound, and they're really comfortable, and I like that. And I've, I've been doing it like that for, geez, coming up on five years now, and it's been working out just fine. It's funny that I was listening to a podcast the other day with the guy who runs Head Headroom, which is a fancy headphone Oh, the, he- site. the headphone boutique. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those guys are funny. And uh, it was an interview with the guy, and he sounded so awful. <laughs> and I and I just it just it was there was an irony there. What do you mean he sounded awful? I don't know what he was talking into, what kind of mic, but it was oh, like oh, you're saying quality yeah. was. I, I mean, it was so like, distorted and overloaded and like compressed, and te- it was so awful that I was like, I can't believe that somebody who all day long listens to stuff on headphones would ever allow his voice to go out sounding like this. Well, some people don't know, or maybe he, maybe he got he was a victim of what happened to you, and sometimes yeah, but no, it was, it was you, a, you don't get final cut on it that. Was you know, maybe it was a twit podcast, so they you know they yeah. do a pretty so good he job. Wasn't, okay, it, well, I mean, I it, no, it was it was not that they did something to it. It was that it was that way. They did their best they could probably with it. Mm-hmm. Um, it was pretty awful. Maybe I'll put a mm-hmm. thing in the show notes just so people can hear. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's 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 an interesting thing. Music. I I should listen to music more often. I spend too much time um, listening to podcasts now. Yeah, me too, man. I've I've become a total podcast uh, junkie. Yeah. Um, I would say, oh, geez, seventy percent of the crap I listen to 
just from time to time is uh, as a podcast. And believe it or not, uh, out of that 75%, I would say 70% of it, most of it, or sorry, 90% of the 70% um, is done all on my phone. And part of the reason is because uh, it's super convenient. So like if I'm walking around the house uh, and I'm, you know, I want to go do the dishes or I need to go to the bathroom or, you know, I want to go for a bike ride or I'm going to hop on the train, having the continuity, you know, cause I, you know, when you start a podcast, you want to pause it and pick up, pick right back up where you're, sure. where you're going. The fact that my phone has a really reasonably loud and clear sounding speaker on it makes a huge difference. Yeah. So I could just, you know, like, like a little transistor radio. Yeah. And then the other thing is that I, you know, people always give me crap about this, but I, I Double listen speed. to... Yeah, almost everything at 2x. Now, I, I don't know if you've iTunes, heard, but... iTunes doesn't do that. But Dan <laughs> so Benjamin... Stupid. Yeah, I did. I heard that last bit where they, said, they, they... I, they, I don't want you listening to it if you're listening at double speed. Well, you know, I understand that. And there are people out there who are unaccustomed to it, and you do indeed miss stuff. And if you're not paying attention... I mean, hell, I've, I'm guilty of this, too. I, you know, some, If you're multitasking, especially, you can miss every little word. But... Uh, it's most people, you know, who actually, I, I might actually start listening to back to work at, uh, at one X because Merlin talks really fast. Yeah, he does. Um, and that's, I, I've, I've had to rewind a couple times on him just to catch his little bits, but for like, dude, the talk show yeah. between, you know, Gruber oh, yeah. and Benjamin love the show, yeah. but those guys talk really fucking yeah. slow. Yeah. And you, you know, I, you know, it's just that I like, I've been doing it for years now, years, you know, and I'll, I'll tell you what, what, what tipped it off, man. I watched this. I want to say. I think I can't remember where I was either watching like a, an episode of this American life uh, or listening to it maybe. Uh, but maybe this was one of those episodes, you know, cause I don't know if you know, this American life had a television show for a couple of yep. uh, couple of seasons. Um, <clears throat> and there, there, there was some sort of a documentary about um, blind people and how they use computers. And this, this guy, you know, who's a total computer nerd and he was big into the whole text to speech thing. And it blew me away because he was, you know, quote unquote, reading web pages by having the computer read them to him. But it was he was listening to him at like really high speed. And I'm like, oh, you know what? I kind of get that. It's like if you're not if you don't need to read it, you can listen to it as fast as you can. As fast as your brain can. Yeah, as fast as your brain can process it. And so I gave, you know, after seeing that, I'm like, okay, I'm going to try this just once or twice. You know, and I tried it on some random podcast. Oh, oh, you know what? I tried it on um, on a book, on an audio book. Okay. And I'm like, this is great, you know, because audiobooks are fucking like 12, 15, 18 hours long. Yep. Um, and it's like, oh, man, I could I could get this done in, in half the time if I if I try this. And, you know, and most of those guys, you know, most of the people who are uh, who are reading those books are you know professional voice actors and, you know, do it slowly. And they do the characters and the pacing is good and it sounds terrific. And um, that's all. That's great. But it actually also lends itself really well to play back at 2X. Yeah, I, I, so too much artifacting. No, I'm, I'm not saying it sounds good. I'm not. Yeah. If, the, if you're talking about audio quality, forget about it. I mean, it's it sounds awful. It's too garbly but, for me. But again, we're talking about spoken word here. We're talking about just processing information, and I'm not listening to it for the sound quality of the guy's voice. Yeah. I'm listening to it because I want to know. I what understand, happens. but the, the, it's <laughs> to me, it's distracting. Okay, you know where it's like I, yeah. I start hearing the little beep beep you what? Yeah, it's true. It can be it can be bad. Although I I got to tell you, man, uh, the iPhone iPod app and Instacasts app you know yeah. playback engine they they both do a really great job of of maintaining the pitch and whatever that technology is called that that's come a long way yeah no it's the much whole, better than you know, it was. the whole speed pitch correction thing uh that that uh it's it's good enough for me yeah i don't know 
Yeah, and then you know the the remainder of the music that I listen to um, will be projects that I'm working on. You know, like I need to learn these tunes for this gig or yeah. what have you. Um, although every once in a while, uh, I, I do have like a, a sort of I recently like, and this takes me a long, long time, and I need to like commit to this. And it happened a couple months ago where I just sort of sat down and I poured through my entire local you know music collection mm-hmm. and i just pulled out my favorite you know two or three or five songs from from any album that i came i like went through folder by folder album by album and i'm like okay i love this song and I actually made this kind of greatest hits collection for myself of of um you know of tunes yeah and and now that's on my ipod and every once in a while it's just kind of cool to put it on and and all of a sudden i'm hearing all these to- songs that i really really like and you let that <laughs> you know, one uh go on uh, uh random shuffle, shuffle loop yeah 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 that right now that has 434 songs on interesting it. yeah and there's some full albums in there too. I, you know, I tend to be the kind of guy who wants to listen to an album, not shuffle. Oh, I, I, I've gotten hooked on shuffling. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I, li- I like shuffle. I like album too. But one of my number one pet peeves about iTunes is that it doesn't really respect album playback order. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't know. I don't like to ha- you, deal with the hassle. You know what? You know what we've learned today. Hmm. I'm all about purity of music. <laughs> yeah. You're all about efficiency. Yeah, that's safe to say. That's, that's, that's <laughs> the, you could just you could just fast forward to this part and then just <laughs> yeah, I, I like it easy and I like to get as much done fast as possible. Yeah. Uh, all right, I think that's good for today. Yeah. Okay. Um. So uh, we will see you next week. Uh, we, well, oh, actually, wait. No, we next week I will be in Austin, Texas. Uh, yeah. But I'm, I'm coming back on Monday, so maybe we could do it Monday night or Tuesday. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll figure something Monday out. To now. Yeah, so we'll, we'll, we'll get there. Okay. And, uh, yeah, have, uh, have a good week, folks. Uh, you can easily find Bill and myself on Twitter. Uh, my Twitter handle is uh, Dan Gottesman, and Bill's is Bill Wadman, all one word. I am indeed. And uh, we are slowly, but almost there, we're, we're, we are planning a kind of a an upgrade, if you will, to the whole podcast thing. And, and I think Circuitous Conversations will get its own dedicated home on the internet as far as a web page is concerned. Uh, so it'll be easier to, you know, to find and, and then all, you know, all the show notes will be there. And It deserves and, a home. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, it, doesn't, it's, it's, it hasn't really had one. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, you've been sort of pseudo doing it as a part of your thing, yep. as a part of your blog, but it should really have its own. So stay tuned for that. We'll give you guys more details. And as always, if anybody has any questions or requests or ideas, feedback, all that stuff, please uh, shoot us a note on Twitter or what have you. And, uh, and also, uh, you know, it wouldn't hurt if you pop over to iTunes, uh, if you're an iTunes listener and just give us a, a little rating love. We've had please, a couple please. of nice, nice ratings reviews from from our listeners and uh you know that's nice we appreciate it excellent yes all right so bye bye